morning, and welcome to episode 447 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Baseball Reference Play Index. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined as always by Sam Miller. How are Hi, you? Hi, Ben. Good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Do you have Great. any old business to talk about? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, about a week ago, we went over our, um, our, our minor league free agents draft. Uh-huh. And at, at the time, there were no players playing in the majors, uh, and it, it didn't look real good. There weren't even a lot of them who seemed to just still be playing baseball. No. Uh, but since then, in fact, uh, three of our players have been promoted. Wow. Yeah, so... Uh, I was going to talk about the one that I knew about, but I didn't even know that there were two others. Yeah, so Reed Brignac uh, was promoted from uh, to the Phillies. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Sean Camp, the hmm. pitcher, uh-huh. was also promoted to the Phillies, and he has uh, pitched in some games. I don't know mm-hmm. if Reed Bruniak has. He uh, has, yes, he has one plate appearance. One plate appearance. Okay, so uh, let me let me check. Uh, but Camp had a had a couple of outings. He had like three innings on Friday, uh, uh-huh. five through Friday. He now has uh, three and a third inning, so he's faced fifteen batters. Mm. Uh, but but more uh, more exciting for me is uh, Steve Tollison. Oh yeah, who yeah. <laughs> uh, who also was promoted to the Blue Jays, and in his first 16 plate appearances, uh, has six extra base hits mm-hmm. and a 1500 OPS. <laughs> that sounds likely to last. Yeah, we. That doesn't need to. It doesn't no, need to it last. Have as long to. as as long as he's over 700 or whatever, he'll keep getting some plate appearances, and so this gives him a little padding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about the Blue Jays second base situation recently, and. We talked about how Ryan Goins had been demoted and Chris Getz had been promoted. Now now Chris Getz has been designated for assignment. And the plan, I, I guess, is is Steve Tollison and, and Brett Laurie playing part-time at second. And uh, so things are... So Tollison and Camp were your draftees. Yes. And Brignac was mine. And things, things are looking good for Brignac also. Uh, he was... He was called up to replace Freddie Galvis, who had started the season two for 42 or something, and now Galvis has broken a clavicle at AAA, so Brignac may have some time. So, good. We're, Wait, we're but, both on the uh, board. I thought Cody Ash was their, their third baseman. I guess it's, I guess it's utility work, then. Uh, all right. Um, furthermore, mm-hmm. further, furthermore uh, the Rockies lost two out of three, and I don't know that... We need to uh, necessarily update the Rockies every night, but since I guess I'm on record saying they're going to collapse immediately, uh-huh. uh, even though I don't feel that strongly about that, uh, uh, I'll give. I guess I'll give periodic updates. Although they did, I think they outscored their opponents this weekend, and and on Saturday, Corey Dickerson and uh, Charlie Blackman combined for three home runs, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, which was wonderful. Um, and uh, Byron uh, Buxton. Yeah, uh, hurt himself sliding, and I, I wasn't able. We we talked about we we talked about head first slides on this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And whether they're worthwhile, worth doing. Yep. Uh, and I wasn't able to find um, find out whether he was sliding head first or feet first. The the Jeff Passan, I believe, tweeted the the news and just said sliding, and you know you could see how a guy would hurt his hands uh, he 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 reaggravated it you could see how you could hurt your hand sliding either either direction right 
Um, and so I just bring this up. I, I assume it's head first, but mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. But I just bring it up because I, while trying to find out, uh, I was sort of searching the internet and found about like 500 people who also didn't know, but just assumed it was head first and talked about how stupid head first sliding is. Now, you know, why do they let them slide head first? People got to stop sliding head first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all just assumed it was head first. Hmm. Uh, and it probably was. I assume it was. But it's interesting how we just automatically assume that anybody who gets hurt um, sliding must have must have gone head first. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm seeing something now. I'm looking at 1500ESPN.com, and uh, it says Buxton may have re-injured or aggravated the wrist when his hand hit the ground while sliding feet first. Oh, there we go. According to Twins Radio Network. Ah, my uh, <laughs> my instincts, my my spidey senses were were onto something. Uh huh. Yeah. Groovy. Can't assume. Not um, not when it comes to sliding. No. Um, cool. Good all right, know. and other old business. Ryan Webb finished a game on Saturday. He did. He got the win in the Orioles' ten inning win over the Astros. He did not get a save. So uh, as Matt Albers continues to be idle, Ryan Webb has now closed the gap on the career games finished without a save leaderboard to four. Right? He has uh, he has seventy nine career now. I thought Albers. Does he have eighty three or? Oh, was it that? I thought it was like 92. No, he's got, yeah, he's 83. Well, there you go. Yeah. And last bit of old business. We talked last week, I think it was maybe in the lineup protection episode, we talked about whether it might be possible to predict improvements or breakouts by looking at how pitchers had been pitching to hitters. And this was inspired by Robert Arthur's article for BP recently about how Pitchers had pitched differently to Albert Pujols even before his results started to suffer and and started throwing pitches closer to the center of the zone because they were less afraid of facing him, presumably. And so we, we wondered whether this might be a good way to assess hitters, even better than just looking at their stats, whether we should just look at how pitchers are approaching them. And Robert... Arthur did a follow-up article, which is up at BP today, Monday, and is free for non-subscribers, so you can go read it. And he tried to answer that question, and he looked at the the top 10 changers in, in zone distance from the center in 2012 to see how those players performed in 2013, and it looks like that the change in, in distance from the center of the zone does a pretty good job at predicting breakouts or at least did last year the top the the top changer was chris davis who of course had a huge breakout and pitchers oddly enough started pitching as if they were afraid of him more even before his hot september in 2012 when he hit a bunch of home runs it was like mid-season 2012 it started and so he looked at that and uh it was a, a statistically significant difference in the leaders, he compared he compared their projected true averages according to Pakoda to their actual results, and the the breakout the the predicted breakout guys are the guys who pitchers started seeming more afraid to face uh, exceeded Pakoda by by quite a bit. I'm looking for the actual 
number i don't know it, it was uh eight of the eight of the top 10 exceeded their projections and the only two who didn't were guys who got hurt and uh it was uh collectively a an out prediction or outperformance of the projections by about 24 points of true average and um and he looked at the the top 12 projected guys by this ben, method you're, you're giving this year. away you're giving yeah. away everything yeah well i'm not going to give away the the guys for this year but he also he looked at the guys that this method would project breakouts for this season and so far they also are exceeding their projections but to find Charlie out Blackman are, and Corey Dickerson no but to this find sounds, out who they are you will have sounds, to read the article this sounds big this sounds like a be. pretty important thing yeah pretty cool uh, Jonathan Sanchez, who you might recall was like my, uh, the, the, the minor league free agent pick that I was both at, most out on the limb on, but also sort of bullish on, uh, has a 67 ERA in AAA. <laughs> How many innings is that? <laughs> like two thirds. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't put it past being more innings in his case. All right. So what's your topic for today? Well, I figure I'm going to get ahead of the the narrative a little bit. I figure this is going to be the week that everybody writes their their column about how the Dodgers are are spinning mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of losers. Yep. Uh, blaming it on somebody. I don't know who they're going to blame it on right, right now. It seems like Puig is old news, uh, but they'll blame it on somebody, and uh, people will probably start talking about firing Don Mattingly again. <laughs> yes. Uh, Wobbly chair. Oh, gosh. Wouldn't it be exciting if someone said wobbly chair? <laughs> this is year two of our wobbly chair experiment. I'm eager to see if anybody picks it up. But anyway, I thought I'd get ahead of it and have us talk about the Dodgers real quick. Um, and not just the Dodgers, but the Giants, too, because I, I don't know if you watched this series at all this weekend, but this was one of the greatest. I mean, this was really a, a just tremendously entertaining series. Every every game was tremendously entertaining. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's, the race is really tightened up in a way that's fascinating. And I'm going to give you a couple of, uh, a couple of, um, numbers that are in an article that were, uh, that I just wrote. Uh, but I, I want to tell you them because they're mm-hmm. interesting to me. Um, on opening day, uh, our playoff odds had the Dodgers nine wins better than the Giants. They thought the Giants were like the sixth or seventh best team in baseball, as I recall. But, um, but the Dodgers were nine wins ahead of them, which is mm-hmm. a huge, huge gap, you know. And because of that, they had the Dodgers as 76% favorites to win the division to the Giants' 15% favorites. Mm-hmm. So they did not consider this to be a, a particularly competitive division uh, or, a, or a good race. And uh, the Giants have completely closed the gap by playoff odds standards. I haven't seen Monday's Monday morning's playoff odds update, mm-hmm. but eyeballing it and based on what it was at Saturday – I expect it to be just about equal uh, with both teams uh, at about 45% to win the division, about uh, 90, uh, 89 or 90 win pace, uh, and essentially in a, in a virtual dead heat uh, by, by these standings. Um, so it's gotten really exciting really early, um, and uh, it's been good baseball. So a couple of, uh, I guess first of all, uh, I will, uh, Tim Brown is even ahead of me. Uh, Tim Brown writing for Yahoo has a column about the Dodgers issues and Tim Brown writes wonderfully. So mm-hmm. I don't begrudge him this. Um, but I'm going to read a paragraph. Okay. Uh, six weeks into another year, starting all over again, 
They seem to compete only when the mood strikes them, as if the season were owed to them and no one else. It's why Mattingly held a clubhouse meeting three days ago to remind his players of, as he said, where we're going and how to get there. And it's why they have a 20-19 and record after Sunday's 7-4 loss to the Giants and haven't fared well in one-run games or extra inning games. Sunday's loss was another in 10 innings. And beyond that, with some exceptions, why they are outplayed and outworked by seemingly inferior teams. Mm. Uh, first of all, uh, do you think that one-run games uh, is a character test? I mean, I could see it being a test of something, uh, mostly luck, mm-hmm. uh, mostly random fluctuation, but I, I'd be fine saying it's a test of something. How do you feel about attributing it uh, to character? Not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't feel great about that. Okay. Just, uh, all right, so that's clear. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, what do you think about the Dodgers thus far? Uh, I guess another way of saying it is they were projected to win 94 uh, at the beginning of the year. They're projected to win 89-ish now or maybe 90 now. Uh, do you think that there's any... Um, when you were looking at this, do you think there's any reason to uh, ascribe some sort of momentum to the direction they're going and wonder whether Pakoda is a little slow on the draw and that actually uh, they're more likely to be at 88 a week from now than they are to be at 91 a week from now? No, I don't think so. I mean, mm-hmm. we have our preseason expectations and we adjust them slightly as the, the season goes on. And eventually, if they keep performing poorly or worse than we expected, then then the projections will reflect that. But but no, I think that's why we why we have these things, why we look at these things, so that we don't so that we don't overreact to uh, a month or six weeks of not playing up to expectations. Okay, so the Dodgers have uh, the Dodgers have essentially a slightly below average defense. Uh, pretty much all the metrics agree on that. They have a uh, slightly above-average offense thus far, and they have a slightly above-average pitching staff thus far. Their uh, bullpen, once you get past uh, Brian Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, has has been slightly above-average, and yeah. their starters have been above-average, although Paul Mahalem has not been. Uh, so where's the problem here? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying to find it. I was looking at their baseball reference page as you were talking and, and trying to find the problem. And it, I mean, a lot of things have gone right for them more so than you could have expected. I mean, Adrian Gonzalez is hitting for power again in a way that we haven't seen recently. That didn't seem like something that was going to come back. D. Gordon has been fantastic. Um, yeah. And this was someone that... that people had all but written off or had put into a a utility role. And it seemed like in spring that second base would be the big problem where D Gordon was going to start and it was going to be a disaster. And he has been fantastic. He has been, was was he even the debt? Was he even the the second baseman on the depth chart at opening day? Um, by opening day, maybe he was, I mean, the, the presumption was that Alexander Guerrero would play there probably, but and Justin Turner, yeah, was acquired. Yes, um, <laughs> Sean Figgins. <laughs> yeah, right. So that that seemed like a disaster waiting to happen. But I mean, that's been a, a strong point. Gordon has been has been what what we hoped Billy Hamilton would be, and um, 
And by the way, Guerrero in AAA has hit 341, 398, 588 in 93 plate appearances. I didn't realize that Guerrero had, Guerrero had made his debut, in fact. Yeah, yeah. Was um, that recent? I don't know. I, did, I missed that. Look up when he played. Um, so continuing with the things that have gone right, Matt Kemp has been very good, has, has been pretty healthy since coming back. He's, I mean, he's... Played in 32 games. He's he's hit very well, much better than league average. That's that's good. Puig has has replicated his his 2013 production almost exactly so far. And I mean, Scott Van Slyke has been great off the bench. And yeah, and you look at the pitching, and and Greinke has been great, and uh, Heron has been great. And Ryu has continued to be very good, and and Blue Shield of California has been pretty pretty good also. Behind, as you said, other than Brian Wilson, uh, Brandon League has a sub two yeah. ERA in yeah. over twenty innings. So no one could have seen that coming. And um, so one it's, guy could, <laughs> yeah, um, Ned Coletti, yeah. yeah. So um, so it is kind of hard to see. I mean. Obviously, they were missing Clayton Kershaw for a month, and he's only made two starts, so so that hurts somewhat. Um, they have missed AJ Ellis, who's been hurt, and Tim Fedorovich hasn't hit at all in his absence. Uh, no one has really hit at all in his absence. So, so there's that. There's a couple significant injuries, but now Kershaw is back, and um, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's. There's a whole lot of issues here. Carl Crawford and Andre Ether haven't really hit, but they're the only ones who haven't hit other than catcher. And, and only one of them is neat. I mean, they're they're essentially, you know, you you could, I mean, as much as you can identify who the hot hand is, mm-hmm. which is to say you can't, but, you know, you only need, it's not like you just named two guys but who, who sound like they're full-timers, but, you know, mm-hmm. only, only one of them has to play. Right. And even Josh Beckett has been good. So, um, so really, all the all the uncertainties that we had about this roster heading into the year, if anything, I'd I'd feel better about them now than I would have in spring training. So, yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of looking at why they are why they are so close to 500 so far, and it is kind of hard to figure. It's I mean, they are what four and seven in one-run games. They have hit a little worse with runners in scoring position and with men on than they had with with bases empty. Um, I don't know if maybe they've pitched more poorly in in high leverage spots. I mean, it, not not really. It doesn't look like not particularly. So. Um, I don't know. Nothing. Nothing really scares me, though. Nothing makes me want to to reevaluate. Yeah. No. I think you just put it very well in a way that I hadn't crystallized. But I mean, you're right. They had a bunch of as 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 much as they had improved their team over the previous eighteen months, and as many famous people as they'd named, there were still a lot of question marks that we had talked about in the off season. And right now. There are very few question marks. The team, I guess you could say, if you're writing a column especially, you could say is a question mark because they haven't won yet. They haven't really put it together. Uh, and, you know, Brian Wilson is a question mark. And the fact that they have to, I mean, they do it. They have 12 pitchers, so that's 12 question marks. 
just by nature uh, of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's all, there are actually very few question marks at this point in the lineup. Kemp is not the mm-hmm. way he was. Puig is not the way he was. Gonzalez is not the way he was. Mm-hmm. And um, and Gordon. So Gordon's been their 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 best player by war. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, I mean, it, it, I wouldn't have bet on him getting 50 plate appearances mm-hmm. uh, this year. Uh, certainly not not in December. I wouldn't have bet on that. Um, so, um, I mean, is, is there, is there, is it like, is, is he a star? I mean, uh, so far he's got what, unless he's still one tonight, he's got 24 steals in 27 attempts and, uh, he hasn't really, I mean, he's hit for, he's hit for good power for the type of player he is i suppose more more power than anyone seemed to really expect out of him and i don't know without looking i mean i'm sure there's some sort of babbit thing going on here probably to some extent but but it seems pretty real a scout told me that he saw him in in spring and uh and he told me this at the time not not post breakout or whatever this is um, that he before had sort of seen Gordon as a as a triple A guy or a fringe guy or possibly a utility guy, but that he he looked stronger and that he had sort of upgraded his projection for him and thought he could be maybe like a second division regular type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so not not this yet, but some sort of real improvement. So so I don't know. Uh, it's been pretty exciting to watch though. He's been one of the more exciting players in baseball and um and aj ellis that that hole i mentioned i think just started his minor league rehab assignment so he should be back soon so when he's back that will plug the one of the few outstanding holes here um they've actually their pitching has actually been considerably better in high leverage uh-huh than in low leverage huh so it's sort of strange when you look at all of these pretty good or very good individual performances and it doesn't seem like they have really the the huge like bad luck indicators that we usually look at for a team like this and yet and that they are 20 and 19 um it's kind of it's kind of confusing that they are not a little bit better than that just looking at looking at all the underlying stats here um i wonder if we let's see if we look at uh, bp's adjusted standings for them their third order winning percentage is 504 so it, they have pretty much played like the underlying underlying stats say they should have evidently and there yeah i was i was going to see whether this was just pitching worse with runners on or hitting worse with runners on and it's not that mm-hmm. uh they've they've i guess you could you could say they faced maybe you could say they faced good competition because they, you know, they've faced the Giants seven times, and uh-huh. uh, you know they've faced the Rockies a bunch. Well, okay, so I, I guess we haven't. Uh, we but we think that they're still really good, and that mm-hmm. we find this to be somewhat mysterious. But um, if I can shift gears a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you mentioned the the defense, and by by park adjusted defensive efficiency at BP, they are they are 18th out of 30 in that category. Although you. You'd think that would show up in their pitching stats, which seem pretty good still. Um, well, an 18th out of 30 is like 
That's almost 12th out of 30. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's not like there's a huge, huge gap between most of the teams. So, um, yeah. yeah. So do you think that they have, uh, as a team with, you know, close to unlimited resources, um, they've been able to, you know, add a lot of players and um, even, you know, add players that we didn't even think they needed, you know, like six and seven starters and extra former closers and all that. Uh, do you think that advantage is 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 narrowing at all uh, as we go into the like sort of as we start to approach the trade deadline? Um, do you think that they still have places they can upgrade, or are they at the point now where they've they've got an expensive kind of famous kind of uh, you know established major leaguer at every position, mm -hmm. um, including like every spot in the bullpen and every spot in the rotation? Mm -hmm. uh, so do you think that they they could realistically even look to upgrade or are these guys all pretty much going to be able, I mean does everybody they have have a pretty good hold on a job where the Dodgers just basically have to ride out what they have yeah and it's it's not even really a situation where you have some hole in the lineup that's given to some high high salary veteran type who you can't really dislodge or you can't really move even though he's not producing um as we just said there there really isn't a spot where where someone isn't producing except for injury spots or maybe for left field where you have a couple guys who you figure would would probably hit at some point or you're not really going to upgrade over ether and crawford at the deadline mm -hmm. so i mean you could always Go out and trade for a setup guy, I suppose. Although they they have plenty of them, even though Wilson hasn't been effective. Um, so there's that, but it doesn't look like there's really a, a spot in the regular lineup where they could improve significantly. Seems mm. like more of a improvement at the margins thing more than anything. All right. So um, as for the Giants, um, I don't. We don't have to talk much about them, but I just. Uh, I just wanted to note that when we talked about the Rockies and the amazing performances they've got out of guys who who, who suck, um, you know the 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 part differential between the Rockies and the rest of the league has shrunk somewhat since you know 2000 and 1997 and some of those great years. But the difference between them and the Giants is still pretty massive, and so it's it's not necessarily quite so obvious. But if you look at OPS plus, like we mentioned, uh, Brandon Barnes' obscene season where he's hitting 347 and has a slugging percentage higher than his OPS was and, and all that. Um, his OPS plus is 124, and Brandon Hicks, who is a 28-year-old rookie who spent all of last season in the minors and is a middle infielder, has an OPS plus of 119, and that was before his home run on Sunday. So that will go up. Uh, I, I don't know that Hicks is actually any less or any more likely to be doing this. Mm -hmm. So even though the OPS, the raw OPS is a big gap. It's you know just as sort of shocking. And then you have um, Brandon Crawford's 137 OPS plus. Crawford is a you know basically hasn't hit since college, uh, or maybe his first year in the pros really. Um, and uh, he's got you know he's basically doing what Justin Morneau is doing. Um, and you've got Mike Morse, who uh, you know it was horrible last year. And he's got a 149 OPS plus, uh, which is better than Morneau, and which act is actually just about what Charlie Blackmon is doing. Mm -hmm. So again, even though it's like it's 130 points of OPS difference, it's basically the same OPS plus. So uh, 
I mean, obviously the Giants are on a 103-win pace and, you know, no reasonable projection system or analyst or assessment would think that they're going to keep that up. Uh, but I don't know how... Uh, I don't know how much you consider these performances to be like huge red flags in the same way that I was, um, you know, paranoid about the Rockies lineup and their start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not, not really, not, not to the same degree. I don't think, Mm um, by the way, just looking at, uh, Alexander Guerrero, by the way, played in those, in those March games in Australia when they, they, they didn't need to have the pitchers and they had the big roster and yeah and he got yeah. one plate appearance i wonder maybe it's maybe it's bad benchies is the is the reason here is it like the the 2013 nationals disease where like the starting lineup is pretty good the pitch starting pitching is pretty good but whenever someone's out of the lineup it's a problem because everyone else is not producing like like last year with the Nationals when it was like Scott Hairston and Tyler Moore and all these people who just didn't hit a lick when someone was out of the starting lineup. And in 2012, they'd been great. And that was sort of, if you wanted to point to one thing that made the Nationals disappointing last year, that was sort of it. Maybe maybe with the Dodgers, it's the fact that, that Justin Turner hasn't hit at all, that the replacements for A.J. Ellis haven't hit at all, that Sean Figgins hasn't really hit, although he's walked a bit, uh, that guys like Mike Baxter have played. Um, I don't buy it. I'm no. not, I don't accept that. I mean, the, no team, I promise no team in baseball has had a worse bench this year than the Giants have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, I, I mean, it's not even like, like uh, you know, Ethier alone or Scott Van Slyke alone yeah. has outproduced, maybe actually literally, maybe literally has outproduced in total bases the entire Giants, the Giants uh, bench. These are their OPS. Mm-hmm. These are their five. Their five. They basically had the same bench all year. The same five guys. So Hector Sanchez, who plays some, has a 6.39 OPS. So he's a, he's he's doing okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joaquin Arias 3.91, Gregor Blanco 3.85, Ere Adrianza 4.70, and Juan Perez 1.70. And all of them have played at least 20 games. Hmm. And Tyler Colvin 0 for 1. Probably not um, the problem either. Probably not. Probably not the Dodgers' problem. Tyler Colvin. <laughs> Tyler Colvin's 0 for 1 for the Giants. Probably not the Dodgers' problem. Well, I wonder. I wonder if we will be seeing that Dodgers closed door meeting from last week being used as a a narrative milepost at some point in the season when we when we look back and the Dodgers have have played 600 baseball since that meeting although well, they they, they, yeah. they lost that night <laughs> right. they lost and and they lost you know they lost sunday and i don't know what do you know did they have it before friday's game or before thursday's game do you know i think it was thursday but i'm not sure because then they lost two out of three i mean three out of four at home to the giants right after that you can't use it you need to have a new meeting they probably will have a new meeting <laughs> yes they probably Just will keep having meetings until you can claim one works i mean hanley hasn't even really hit all that well yet i mean that's maybe maybe that's a reason why they haven't won all that much he's he's been fine but he hasn't been hanley so that's... Jeez. ben <laughs> i just realized that the mets pitchers still don't have a hit i wrote that thing two weeks ago they're over <laughs> 61 yeah it's true <laughs> well based on your scouting reports of those pitchers i'm not really that surprised john that was... nice should have a hit john nice can really swing it 
Yeah. All right. All right. So long. Well, I'm glad the I'm glad the NL West has been more exciting than we expected because yeah. going by those preseason projections, it, it looked like it would just be a cakewalk and the Dodgers would win 90 something games and and that would be that and there would be no race whatsoever. Whereas now there is an exciting one, a three team one even. Yep. All right. All right. So Baseball we'll Reference. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, Baseball. please support it. Our sponsor. Mm-hmm. Baseball Reference Play Index. Go to baseballreference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. Please start sending us emails for this week. Uh, Our listener email show will be on Wednesday. Send us emails at podcast at baseballprospectus.com, and we will be back tomorrow. Good morning, and welcome. What was that? What? Noises. It's just nothing. It's just a... A little rattle. It's a small rattle. We make noises on this show.